0: Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. Amen, amen, (laughs) amen. Remain standing as we read from Revelation 5, verse te- 9 to 10. And as you proclaim these verses, I want you to speak to the Lord because this verse is for you. All right? Let's uh, get ready. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's read it. One, two, three. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Let's repeat verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign. On the earth. Say, that's me. that's me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. All right. Thank you so much. Please, please be seated. Today, this message is for the kings and the priests. Amen. And that's you. These, this message is for the kings and the priests of this house. And they said last week, Pastor Derek preached an awesome series on the original design. He said that we are created to be like God. We are created for companionship. We are are created to reign. To reign as what? To reign as kings and priests. But for the purpose of my message today, we're going to focus on the kingship. You see, it is always God's intention when Christ died that the government of God will continue increasing And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. If you look at this passage, would you agree with me that where the government of God is, there is peace? Yes? Say amen. Help me preach this morning. Where the government of God is, there is peace. So if you have no peace, that means the government of God is not evident in your life. When there's no peace in America, that means the government of God is weak. It is not strong. It is not exerting itself. And henceforth, we do not experience peace. And it goes on to say, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This man, David, caught the attention of heaven. Something about this David that God was so pleased with him that he said, I'm going to make him a king. And from his kingship, from his throne, I will perpetuate my kingdom through Christ. So today we're going to deep dive into this David. Why is he so special? And David was a young lad. If you are a youth here, we have some uh, of our alive youth sitting at the corner. King David was your age when he was called and anointed into kingship. He was so treasured by God that God even said the keys of the kingdom, He named it the key to the house of David. The key of the house of David. So you understand it is important for us to study the life of this young king called David. What is the key of David? The key of David is the key of authority and government, which God had given to David over his everlasting kingdom and the city of Jerusalem. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, it says that is the throne room of the Lord. David had to be anointed before he became king, right? He was anointed by Samuel the prophet. But in fact, David was anointed three times. First time by the prophet from God, second time by Judah, from which he came from, his tribe of Judah. And then the third time was Judah and Israel, which is the territory that he's supposed to reign as king. But you know, David wasn't immediately king after he got anointed, he had to wait seven whole years. Seven whole years of training uh, process Seven whole years of preparation Because you know, King David David was a shepherd boy He didn't know how to rule He didn't know how to reign as king God had to train him up So that he has the character of the king So that he can relate to God in his kingly state And also relate to the people in in his kingly state And there here lies the problem in our church today. Because everyone who feels that they are anointed by God, they appoint themselves into leadership. The fact of the matter is being approved by God is not enough. You need to be approved by God and men. Can I hear a loud amen? And that's why David had to go through the training, the drilling process to make him fit to become king. Jesus had 30 years of preparation, three years to fulfill his calling. David had seven years of intense tribulation, full of temptation, which David overcame. And he was successful in his kingship because of his character. The body of Christ has been anointed. You say me. You have been anointed, appointed to be kings and priests, according to Revelation five. But we don't see a lot of government, do we have? Do we see? We don't see a lot of God's government in our life. When you don't see peace, there's no government. The God, the body of Christ, need to be trained. We need to be built up. We need to go through the process so that we can be fit to become kings. Everyone say, I will be fit to become king. There are seven tests that David went through and I'm going to walk you through what are the seven tests for David to come into kingship. Are you ready? Because I see a lot of what you are going through on the ground you are exactly where you are supposed to be. You are being tested over and over again. So this morning, my aim is to open up your eyes to see that everything that you are going through is God's intent for you. Heart, may it it sound that it's God's intent for you so that you posture yourself correctly and, pass the tests. and this psalm, Psalms 23, we all can quote. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lo- makes me to lie down on green pastures beside still waters. It is a psalm that always invites peace and the rest of God. But do you know through this psalm, we can see that David went through many, many things. So I'm going to deep dive. In my last Eve conference, I did mention this very briefly, but today we're going to deep dive. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, the shepherd test. You will go through the shepherd test And many people fail this test Psalms 23 verse 1 says The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want You see David Although he was anointed by Samuel He never followed Samuel Period Even though he was invited into the palace By King Saul He didn't just follow King Saul Period He followed the king of all kings Jehovah And that's why even when King Saul didn't treat him right. You see, King Saul was a man that idolizes himself. He has great self-idolatry. He was so insecure that he's constantly being tormented. He was tormented by demons. And when he was tormented, people will always ask David to come and play the harp. You see, David in many nights was practising how to worship God. So he was a worshipper. He could open up the heavens when he worships. And so when the the presence of God filled the temple, King Saul would be delivered from torment. And you would think that King Saul would appreciate such a young man, such a great worshipper in his band, in his worship team. No, two chapters later, you know what happened? He was trying to throw a javelin at, king David, at David, not once, but twice. Why? Because the people say, oh, you know, Saul can kill a thousand, but David, 10,000. Wow. You see, this insecure king was burning with jealousy from the pit of hell. And he wanted to kill the very person who can deliver him from spirits. Wow. So David had to run away from King Saul. And one of the stories says he ran into this cave. He was hiding with this, this group of unruly men who was willing to follow him. <laughs> they went into this cave and King Saul happened to come and he needed to relieve himself. So he went into the cave. And the man, David's man said... David, this is a great opportunity. God had delivered your enemy here. You can just kill him and ascend to the throne immediately. How many of you think that that will be a great opportunity? He would immediately become king. But King David knew who he followed. King David knew he can trust God. King David know if I am anointed by God There will be a time where God will bring me to where I need to rule But how many self-appointed prophets, apostles, pastors, leaders Would take matters into their own hands and say Well, let me do this Because my pastor was not great enough He was not good in administration He was not good in discipleship He was not good in that He was not good in this Let me do it I can do better And what happened? David restrained his men. He said, you will not do such a thing. Look at what he said in verses 4, verses 6 to 8. He said, and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. But King David didn't stop Saul. Uh, King David didn't just let him leave. He ran after Saul and said, My Lord and my King. Wow. What kind of boy is this? What kind of man of God is this? What kind of king is this? And the Bible says, And Saul looked, Behind him and David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. Think for a moment. The Lord says that you are to love your enemies. This young man, though he suffered injustice, though there was no reason for Saul to treat him that way, Yet he respected and honoured the men because of God. What a wonderful king. You see, many people say, I follow Jesus. But actually, they are following men. Because when their leader disappoints them, when their pastor did something wrong or said something wrong, they take it as their right to accuse, it's your right to gossip, it's your right to murmur, it's your right to go on social media and blast the wrong of this person, it's your right to take matters into our own hands and split the church. You see, that's where the kingdom of God has no power. Because we do not learn how to honor God by honoring men in spite of their failures. Because it was not us who put them in that place. It was God who put them where they are. Today's message, I'm going to lead you through a process of healing and releasing. So stay with me as we move along. So this is the time I want you to close your eyes. Amen. I want you to close your eyes. Stay focused right now. I want you to think of all the pastors, spiritual leaders only, all the pastors that you have been with, all your connect group leaders that that, that you came under. Look at their faces. And when someone's face come into your mind and you feel a sting in your heart, you feel your heart stop for a second, You understand that you have not released this person in your life. You have not allowed God to heal that pain in your life. The judgment against this person. Are there people in position of power over you that you need to forgive? When you see their face and you know, and it could be even me or Pastor Derek, it's okay. It's between you and the Lord. And just say in your heart, Lord, I forgive and I release. I forgive them. I release them. I bless them. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say. Amen. Number one, the shepherd's test. You will find you get lighter as I go along, right? Because spiritually you're aligning yourself, you are coming clean before the Lord. The second test is the provision test. In verse 2, Uh, David says he makes me to lie down on green pastures and beside still waters. Provision. David, even though he came from quite a wealthy family, the family of Jesse, but yet he was never regarded as a son. He was the outcast of the family. He was no longer thought of as a son. So even when the prophet came to the house to find a king, Jesse never thought, oh, David should be included. In fact, he was out there doing the manual task of shepherding the sheep on his own. And and, and Samuel said, is that all you have? Because none of them were uh, called by God. None of them was uh, selected by God. So Jesse had no choice but to call David in. It is not too strong to say David was the family's reject. Banished to the manual task of shepherding alone in the wilderness, Jesse called him the youngest. Not only physically uh, in status-wise, he's the youngest. He's also very small in stature. And he's the least in their eyes. In fact, he was abandoned by his father and mother in Psalms 27 verse 10. King David, out of his pain, he said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Out of the pasture land, Jesse pushed David out into the wilderness to be with the sheep. But in so doing, he pushed David to God. Yeah. Yeah. See, sometimes we go through abandonment and rejection. Maybe some of you, you have parents and never really took care of you. Maybe they did not know how. Maybe they were also going through a tough times themselves. Maybe when you are young, you are already forced to fend for yourself. But understand, even this has a purpose. That God will push you to Himself. And under the stars at night and the sun in the day, David became the Lord's. And the Lord became David's. He was His chief shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. It was so he went through a period of intense heartbreak. You know, God will use rejection. And don't lift out your hands, but all of us, we suffer from rejection one time or another. God used rejection and the wilderness experience to craft this man, this shepherd boy, into an admirable king. So much so that Jesus, in the last book of the Bible, His title was called the Root and the Offspring of David. Jesus became David's root root system is Jesus your root is Jesus your foundation you know the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want it's not something that David said out of rejection but out of a sense of being totally accepted by the Father in heaven are you one of those that have gone through rejection abandonment Maybe by your own natural parents or maybe by your family or by friends. Allow God to push you to Him and not push you towards anger and resentment. Say, Lord, I, I, re- I release every bitterness, every anger, every rebellion due to rejection. From people, I set myself free to to receive your love. Do a prophetic act with me, would you not? Say, I release all anger and bitterness and rebellion. I receive your love. The third test David had to go through is the heart test. The heart test, the test of the heart. In Psalms uh, verse 3, 23 verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. There are many things that went through David's soul. Of course, he was abandoned by his parents, right? He, was, he suffered betrayal from King Saul. He suffered wrongful accusation. The people that he was leading wanted to kill him because the enemies came and took their wives and children away and they say, it is all your fault, They wrongfully accused him. Have you ever been wrongfully accused? Have you ever been said, things were said about you, you were assassinated in your character, whether by your fault or not, that people try to accuse you of the things that you did not do? What about committing something that you cannot reverse? David was supposed to be at war, but he was not. And then he was he saw Bathsheba and at that moment of weakness, he took Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife. And in order to cover his sin, he killed Uriah. He committed murder, intentional murder. And when Bathsheba conceived their first child, the child died because because of this wrongdoing. The Lord allowed the child to die. Talking about the grief of loss. How many of you have suffered loss in your life? Loss of loved ones, loss of a dream, loss of purpose, loss of relationship that really matters to you and until today, you still cannot restore that relationship. What about Absalom, his son? His son was so angry with his father, he rebelled against his father, rebelled against God and eventually died. Talk about pain of failure. Sometimes as parents, we feel that pain when our child struggled in life, when we didn't do our, our best to protect them or teach them and they made wrong choices. We may carry that burden of that pain of failure. In spite of the troubles David had in his life, whether it was his own doing or not, David never turned his back on God He wrote many great psalms of praise and honour. Even today, we often read about it. When we are down, we read psalms to encourage ourselves. We, We worship, we sing songs that was written by David. You see, let us not let the hardship of life, and life will only get harder because of what the Bible says. But let us not let the hardship of life make us bitter, but make us better, better fit to be kings. Many a times people ask me, Pastor Susan, why if God so loved me, why did He allow me to go through pain? You see, because when you go through pain, His intention was that you would run to Him. Because He will not protect us from pain, but He promised us He will be right there when you are in pain. You see, when we go through pain, It caused our hearts to be broken, but when God meant it back, we have the ability to be compassionate. Because God wants to raise up compassionate king, not competent ones. Amen? When when you are able to process your pain, your pain gives you the power to propel you to your purpose. Jesus on the cross did not deny pain. He denied shame but he embraced pain totally so that he can say to his father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Are there things you did or failed to do that have caused you to be weighed down in your heart? Somehow you really cannot forgive yourself, cannot let your hair down. Perhaps you felt that you do not really deserve to be happy. Don't hold on to a standard higher than God. If God has forgiven you, then you must and can forgive yourself. But many a times we hold on judgment against ourselves and we punish ourselves thinking that that is the way to make restitution. But that is the furthest from the truth. Because if you know what Jesus had done for you, then today you need to live fully, freely, happily, full of hope and faith for the future God has for you. So close your eyes. I want you to examine what I just said. Is there something you did in the past or even right now that weighs down on your heart and you never can fully, boldly come before God? You often feel that God doesn't really fully accept you, that you are broken, that you are bruised, that you are not worthy. It's time to respond to God's forgiveness. Can you say this with me? Say, Lord, Lord, I forgive myself. myself. Say it together with me. Say, "Lord, Lord, I forgive myself and release myself. From all, from all judgment. Say, I receive, I receive your forgiveness. Take a moment and allow the forgiveness of God to fully capture your heart and sense that freedom of the judgment you just release yourself from. And say amen. amen. The fourth test is the obedience test. Everyone say obedience. Psalms 23 verse 3 says, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Let me tell you this. You you may start poor, but you'll never end up poor. You may start broken, but you you will not continue in this broken state if you continue to walk with God on the path that He has constructed for you. Because of the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Amen. And because you're walking on that path, everything that God has for you is there on that path. So the key is always to focus on where you are. And the one that walks on the path of righteousness can be as bold as a lion. Proverbs 28 says, verse 1, The wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when you are afraid, what does that mean? That means you have steered away from that path. When you are fearful, that means you are no longer on the path of righteousness. That is why we need to constantly examine our path, right? Look at King David. He was so bold. Why? Because he often, despite all that he had gone through, he often chose to be right with God. Often choose, he may murmur and complain. If you read the psalm, he always starts with a lot of complaining. But at the end, he always say, but God. Amen. It is okay to pour out our complaint. And God will not shut his ears. He would complain, but he said, but God. And he would steer himself back. To their place of obedience And that's why he was as bold as a lion Because when he was facing Goliath the Philistine Look at what he said in 17, 1 Samuel 17 verse 45 David said to the Philistines You come to me with a sword, with a spear and a javelin But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts The God of the armies of Israel Whom you have defied Wow You know Goliath He is so big. But you know, I told you David is small stature. Goliath has all this armour that make him impenetrable, But David couldn't even wear Saul's armour because it was too heavy. So all he did was he took a slingshot and five stones. But he was bold. He would stare his enemy in the eye and say, How dare you invade my territory? I come in not my name but the name of God. Proverbs four twenty seven says, Ponder on the path of your feet. If you are afraid today, that means your feet has veered away from this path. Come back to it. Obey God. Come back to the Word of God and let your ways be established. You can be confident if you follow God. You will never end up poor. If you follow God, you will not end up a failure. If you follow God, you will not end up alone and with nobody. If you follow God, your children shall be blessed. They will not follow the world. They will not come under drunkenness and drugs. Yes, let me expose that fear. You understand? Because God is on that path of righteousness. Are you going through an obedience test right now? Are you being tested in this area? Is there an area that God is speaking to you to respond? Has He been speaking to you about something in your life? You know, the quickest way is to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when you say yes, grace comes for you to obey God. Grace doesn't come unless you say yes. When you are a new Christian, if you are new, you've not known Jesus, I tell you, God gives you grace so that you can come to Him in faith. But when you become a believer, how many of you are believers believer here in the house of God? How do you get grace? You get grace only when you obey. The deal is different. It's a different deal. Amen. If you are a non-believer, you're a pre-believer, you do not know God yet, let me tell you, God has a lot of grace for you because you have not known Him. He'll give you grace so that you can have faith to believe. But when you say, yes, Lord, and you come into the kingdom, God says, now you have to obey, then I give you grace. It's a different deal. Okay? So, we need to come boldly. Is there an area? that you need to say yes to the Lord in your heart right now you know I don't know you don't have to tell me but God knows what is that area lay it down before you move on and when you say yes Lord I tell you you cross over something you feel there's no more condemnation you can come boldly into the presence of God See, the reason why we feel condemned is because we have not said yes. When we don't obey, that's where it opens up condemnation in your life. When you constantly struggle with condemnation, every little thing makes you feel condemned. Let me tell you this, is not because of people around you, but it's really because you have not said yes to God. And henceforth, you struggle with condemnation. Because Romans 8 says, therefore, there's no condemnation in those who choose to walk uprightly before the Lord. Amen. Can we move on? Have you dealt with that obedience test? Yes. God knows, yeah. Let's move on. Perseverance test. Oh, this is a hard one. I know a lot of you are being tested in this area. Mm. Perseverance test. Psalms 23 verse 4 says, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Being able to persevere through even though where you are seems so bleak, even though where you are seems like there's a lot of shadows of unknown and, and fear and people crying woof. but you need to keep on walking and persevere through. It is a quality many great men and women had in the Bible. And most definitely a quality you see in Jesus, a quality that you see in King David. What is Perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to hang in there. Mm. Hang in there. Stick to it. Keep on going. There are five things I want to share regarding perseverance. Alright, you ready? Number one, people who persevere experience failure just like everyone else. Mm. Persevering people try, they fail. Sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not. But the key is they get over it and keep on trying. They are not super big human beings that goes from success to success. Nobody is fail proof. In fact, the Bible is full of men and women who failed. They had monumental failure. Moses is a murderer. David is an adulterer and a murderer. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know they have family tradition of lying and deception? <laughs> What about Peter? In Jesus' most difficult moment, he denied Jesus three times. Let's talk about the women. Rahab. Oh, running a prostitute brothel. What about uh, uh, Mary Magdalene? You know, it said that she was a harlot, means that she probably is a prostitute. What about Ruth? Left the land of promise and seek up the other land and brought about death in the household. Understand, all these had great failures, but God still use them. Say together with me, say, God can use me. Say, God, use me. God, use me. So don't let your failure be your tombstone, yeah. but let it be a stepping stone for you yeah. to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Yeah. Can I hear amen? Yeah. Persevering people experience failure. Number two, people who persevere choose not to live in the past. Don't live in the past When I was preparing this message Many a times I have to press the computer button Called undo 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 When I didn't like what I said I undo So that it erased everything But you know life has no undo button Right? In the fit of your anger You said something Oh you say oh Quick 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 undo 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 There's no way to undo When the words are released It becomes an arrow that shoots everywhere And sometimes you bruise the heart of people, sometimes you disappoint them, and sometimes it breaks the relationship and that you never could restore it. Try your best. Try your best to restore. Try your best to, to apologize. But if it's not, if it cannot be salvaged, move on. Everyone say, I'll move on. Choose not to live in the past. There are five things you will experience if you constantly live in the past, and that is... Anger, resentment, guilt, regret, and shame. Anger, resentment, regret, guilt, and shame. But we must let Jesus take control and choose not to live in the past. Everyone say, I'm not going to live in the past. I will embrace my here and now. Number three, persevering people make the decision to keep moving on. To keep moving on. Do you know one of the worst train disaster in, in history is this train uh, accident that happened in Italy in 1944? This is a long passenger train, right? Long passenger train that had two engines. One is the beginning and one at the end, in the front and back. And this train was going through this tunnel in Italy and when it went into the tunnel, unfortunately, the front engine stalled. The front engine engineer tried to fix the train, the engine. The back engineer was very far away. He said, ''Oh my God, the the train stalled in the tunnel.'' And because the tunnel is dark, he was afraid that there would be further collision and stuff like that. So he started the engine at the back to go back the other way. But the front engineer managed to repair the engine. So he was full trotter ahead. The end engineer was full trotter this way. Let me ask you, It both ends were full trotter going to the opposite direction. Where is the train heading? That's right. So smart, Pastor Troy. (laughs) The train stopped moving. Do you know that day, 500 people died. They died because of carbon monoxide poisoning in that tunnel. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death How many of you walk through the valley and you stop? You sat down And dreams died Hope evaporated Vision of your life ahead looks bleak and dark Because you stopped You stopped hoping you stop believing, you stop trusting. And the train stop because of one reason. There are too many drivers. We have to keep moving forward and the only way we can do that is to decide who is going to be in charge. Who is going to be in charge of your life? Are you going to be in charge or is Jesus going to be in charge? If we are in charge, you know where the train is going backwards. My dog can do this very well. He often follow me everywhere to get a treat, right? So every time I move forward to him, he move backwards. Eh? But if you follow Jesus, you're going to move forward. So understand God can redeem everything, but we must make a decision to keep moving on. Say, I will keep moving on. I will keep moving on. Turn to your neighbor. Oh, this part are not going to move on. Okay, I will keep moving on. Say, I will keep moving on. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will keep moving on. All right, number four. Persevering persevering people take one day at a time. One day at a time. I want to read to you John Wesley's diary. I didn't get to read it at 9 a.m. service, but I'm going to do it today, right here at 11. It says, Sunday morning, May 5th, preach at St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5th, Preach at St. John's, deacons say get out and stay out. Sunday AM, May 12, preach at St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday PM, May 12, preach at St. George's, kicked out again. Sunday AM, May 19, preach at St. Somebody else. <laughs> deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday PM May nineteen, preach on the street, kicked off the street. How is it possible to be kicked off the street? Well, anyway, Sunday AM May twenty six, preach in meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. It must be so bad that they let the bull run wild, right? Yeah. Sunday AM June second, preach at the edge of the town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m. June 2nd, afternoon service, preach in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. <laughs> Here's a profound truth. You cannot live in the past, neither can you live tomorrow today. Matthew 6, verse 34. Can you read this together with me? Matthew 6, verse 34. Ready? One, two, three. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry. If you feel worried knocking on your door, just worship. Replace it with another W. Worship. Understand God is in your tomorrow. God is in your tomorrow. So embrace your today. Say, I'm here and now. Be hundred percent present. Be a hundred percent leaning into God. Because God is speaking to you. Some of you are running out of steam to persevere. But God wants you to continue to trust and obey. Number five, persevering people know that God's strength is available to them. God's strength is available to them. John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's not really true, isn't it? Because without God, we can do a lot of things. But just not the things that are of kingdom value. Not the things that can last through eternity. Not the things that can go through the furnace, the fire. So we want to do, we want to be people who can do things that will last through eternity. That will make an impact, not only in the things of the natural, but in the things of the spiritual. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everyone say all things. And this is the one thing I realize about people. You know, God is always wanting to enlarge your capacity But you're always looking at your inadequacy rather than God's all-sufficiency. So when your pastor say, oh, Gwen, I use Gwen. I know Gwen is not going to be offended, right? (laughs) Gwen, you know, this is one, this is something I want to give to you, a ministry. Then Gwen will say, oh, since I'm taking this, I need to put this down. You see, you can never grow in your capacity. As believers, we need to have a growth mindset. See, when you are given tests, when God says, hey, can you do this? Can you serve here? Can you, can you avail yourself? What you do is you always think, what else can I take from my plate? You are replacing. You are not growing. But when you feel, in, when you feel the tension and the pressure What must you do? Instead of looking in at your inadequacy, you look up and say, God, help me. Give me capacity. Teach me. Lead me. That's how you enlarge your capacity. Persevering people know that God's strength is available for them. I want to read you T.L. Osborne's poem. It ministered to me a lot. And I know that it will minister to you. Can you just listen? And then just let the word sink in. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're treading seems uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when cares are pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as all of us sometimes must learn. And many a failure turns about when we might have won had we stuck it out. Don't give up. Though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tin on the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It is when things get, get worse that you must not quit. Are you going through the fire furnace right now? Are you going through the perseverance test right now? You are losing steam. You're running out of grace. Guess what? You have to speak to yourself. Don't you quit. Put your hand on your heart. I want you to call out your name. It may sound strange, but call out your name. Alright? For example, I say, Susan, don't you quit. Say to yourself, alright, call your name, alright? And the count of three. One, two, three. One more time. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Amen. The sixth test is the test of yieldedness. The test of yieldedness. Verse 4 says, For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is for correction. When the sheep is naughty and try to run away, the rod is to correct. The staff is to hook the sheep back into the right path when they they try to stray away oh god distracted right the thing is god is always correcting us or pruning us back why when we are distracted when we are onto a wrong thing he will pull us back he is a good shepherd so when your life is not following the good shepherd guess what There's chaos and pain. There's a lot of consequences that you have to suffer. The first thing I must be willing to admit when I begin to examine what controls and dominates me is that I am the one responsible for having yielded myself. If I am a slave to myself, I am to blame because somewhere, somehow, I have yielded to myself. If I obey God, then I do it because at some point in my life, I yielded my life to God. Amen? Does that sound right? Yeah. When you yield to something, you will soon realize the tremendous control it has over you. Sometimes we say, oh, it's okay. I can give up the habit whenever I like. I can stop drinking whenever I like. I can stop playing the games whenever I like. You will know you can't. Because in your spare moment, that's the first thing that you think about, right? You will find that the habit absolutely dominates you because you have willingly yielded yourself to it. It is easy to sing that song. Do I have any worshiper here? Come on, Sophia. Sing that song. There's power in the name of Jesus. I'll oh, just sing the break, the break the Chain. Name of Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Yes, common song. We sing this all the time. Oh, one of my favorite songs Break Every Chain, Break Every Chain, right? You can sing the song while at the same time living a life of obvious slavery to yourself. But yielding to Jesus will break every chain. Yeah. Am I right? The only way you break the chain If you submit to a higher power But if you are the highest power Good luck to you But if Jesus is the higher power You have salvation Amen? Amen So the question is Is Jesus the higher power in your life? James 4 verses 7 to 10 says Therefore submit to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Yielding to God means you, there are two parts process. Number one, submission to God means you need to resist the devil. You cannot say, I submit to God, but still fool around with the devil with all your temptation. Draw near to God means you turn away from sin, purify your hearts, and cleanse your behavior. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of action. If you're going down this path of destruction and you know that God is examining you, yield to Him and turn the other way around so that you can see the fruits of your repentance. You know, your yieldedness is often reflected in your response towards correction. Your yieldedness. For example, Saul. When Saul was in Gilgal, Samuel came late. Again, a test. Samuel came late. And Saul, because he was so afraid... Because he was so full of self-idolatry, he was so afraid that people, his, the Philistines, his enemies would come and overcome him. He was so afraid. And when Samuel didn't show up, he took the right to put on the priest's robe and burn the offering. You see, he has no regard about God and the holiness of God at all. And when Samuel confronted him, do you know what Saul said? Saul blamed it on Samuel. It was your fault. You came late. That's why I'm forced. I felt compelled to burn offering to the Lord. But look at what, on the other hand, how did did David respond? How did David respond? When Nathan was sent to confront David about Bathsheba and Uriah, David immediately said, I have sinned against God. You see, your ability to yield to God makes you easy, cause you to uh, open up your heart to listen and be quick to repent. Yielding is a posture of the heart. Can I see, show the slide? Where the soldier is on bended knees before the Lord. You see, it is not just a posture that we display, but it's really a posture of our heart, whether in our heart we yield to God or not. When we yield to God, everything becomes easy. Amen? When we yield to Him, everything becomes easy. Nothing is too difficult. Are you going through the yieldedness test right now? Are you struggling in the pit like Jacob? Say, Lord, you know what he did to me? Lord, do you know what was taken from me? Lord, do you know how much I've sacrificed? What is the struggle you have that has caused you to be in that pit and you keep struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling, going nowhere? Today, you have the chance to get out of the pit. Are you willing to get out of the pit? And all you need is to yield to God. Just like the soldier, yield to God in your heart. And I want you to say this together with me. Say, I yield to you, my Lord. And my King. I bow my heart before you and lay my pride and rebellion on the altar. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life I live I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. Finally, the seventh test is the willingness to govern test. You see, David had to be trained. He had to go through all these. And finally, when he passed through all these tests, he needed to come to the final test because no king is a king if he doesn't want to govern. A king's role is to govern. Amen? So, this willingness to govern tests in in Psalms chapter 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He needs to learn how to govern so that he can overcome his enemy. Jesus Christ is the only true head of the church. Jesus is the head of a live church. And all authorities exercised in the church comes from Him. Can I hear amen? amen? And the purpose of the church's government, who is the government represented here in a live church? Is Derek, myself, and the leaders that we have trained, appointed, approved in character. They are the government of this church. And the role of the government is to support the body of Christ, the kingdom. The kingdom, the body of Christ in carrying out the mission of Christ. And what is the mission of Christ? The mission of Christ is bigger than evangelism. The mission of Christ is through discipleship, raise up a kingdom of kings and priests. As is shown in Revelation 5 when we started. It is our role to train you to be the priest in your household, to be the king in your territory. Whether that is your household, your marketplace, your business, wherever you go, you must both be priest and king, restore people and rule. Because when good leaders don't rise up and govern, bad leaders will. When God's people don't govern, not God's people will rule. (laughs) So it is important for us as a body of Christ to understand this, that we need to govern so that the government of God, where the government of God is, there is peace. And God expects His government to increase. Kingship is about governing But you and I need to learn the art of governing. Amen? Amen. The art of governing. And what is govern? Govern is a verb that refers to the act of controlling, directing, or managing a group of people and uh, implementing policies so that their life will be blessed. In America, we don't like the word control. But the fact of the matter is God does control us. God gives us Deuteronomy 28 and say that if you don't obey, these are the things that's going to happen to you. The consequences of our sin will overtake you. And control is necessary, especially when you are young, right? If you are a parent in this house, you have young kids, don't you control them? Don't you tell them, don't you play with the stove? Don't put your hands over the fire? Or do you give them a knife and say, go play with this? No, right? You control them. You build an environment safe for them so that they can grow up to know what I should do, what I should not do. So that they will be able to come to a place they can now direct themselves and after that, manage others. You see, government, governing, art of governing, is an art. It's through experience that we learn how to govern. And that is why you have been gone, going through all these tests because God is testing if you will govern yourself. Right. If you don't govern yourself, you have no right to govern others. Yeah. If you are wanting to get married and have children, if you cannot govern yourself, I think you have a tough journey ahead. We need to govern ourselves. Govern your health. Take care of your health. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be skinny. I never was skinny. I wish I could use that word in my name, but it doesn't go that way. But I take care of my health because I know I need to live long in order to fulfill my purpose. Are you governing your mind? Or day in, day out, year in, year out, always tormented by a sense of rejection abandonment whatever what are you governing what kind of thoughts are you entertaining every day you need to govern your spirit so that your spirit stays pure for the Lord you're always orientated to where God wants you to go are you governing your finances is it okay that I have transparent conversations with you because I believe all these things you're being tested are you governing your finances Financial integrity is very important. It is not about you giving tithe. Some of you are faithfully giving tithe to the Lord, giving offering, but you are not able to govern your money. You have excessive living. You're not wise in where your money go. You think God will give you more money? So don't blame God, okay? Because God is waiting for you. God saw all your faithful tithing. God saw when you give in tears. Let me tell you that. God saw when you sacrifice. God saw it. But God is wanting you to govern this area of financial financial matters. You need to have financial integrity. If you owe people money, the money that you have don't belong to you until your debt is fully cleared. Can I hear amen? Don't owe the bank and think that, oh, it's okay. Just roll, 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 roll. By the end, when I die, all these things are cancelled. Somebody told me that before. I got the shock of my life. (laughs) Like, financial integrity. If you owe a rent and you cannot pay, you don't let your landlord come and knock at your door and say, ladies, when are you paying? No. You go and talk to your landlord and say, I have trouble paying. Can I negotiate something? It's not I'm casual with this payment. I want to negotiate. Can you give me grace? Amen. As kings and priests, we must be honorable people. And money is where God tests you. When my father-in-law died recently, he had a credit card debt. Right? He died and then the credit card bill came. He owed $1,000, you know. And... And his wife was not willing to pay. I told right, pay it. Because it is the name of this man that you are preserving. Yeah. What is a $1,000 to the name of this man who had lived right all the days of his life? Your name is more important. So having financial integrity, you preserve your name. And when you have a reputation in heaven, look what God would do for one. is reputable right govern your family govern your children parents train them in the way they should go when they are old they will not depart from it govern your marriage husband and wife should not be just roommates we should not be just housemates we shall not be partnership you pay half you pay I pay half you pay this one I pay that one and then go through life like sharing the same address Govern your marriage. Your marriage should be one. God should be in the center of it. You should train each other to be better. Train each other to love God more. Blossom in this oneness with God and with each other. You need to govern your spiritual gifts. God has given you spiritual gifts. So know what are your gifts by being involved in the church and learn how to use your gift to better the quality of the church life. But a lot of us, a lot of people I see, they constantly battle with, do you recognize my gift? Can you see I'm a prophet? I'm evangelist so-and-so. I'm apostle. No, we need to put aside all this gift recognition, instead focus on gift collaboration. Collaborate. Collaborate. What I can do, you may not be good at. What you can do, I may not be good at. Let's collaborate. Govern our spiritual family. It is not just Derek and my job. You need to govern. Make sure that brothers and sisters are behaving honorably, that we love each other, that we cover each other, that we walk according to the Word of God. Because Derek and I cannot have a relationship with so many people, we don't know all of you. But in your sp- sphere, at the place where you are, God is expecting you to govern. When you are willing to govern what God has given to you, then you will see that God will expand the territory of your life. God will begin to add on more because you are now found faithful by what God has given to you. Can I hear a loud amen? Stand up on your feet today. How many of you, you say I'm going to govern my life? Yes. It is so important that you understand this because the kingdom, the kingdom of God needs all of you to learn to govern. And when you govern we expand the government of God. So govern your life. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter if right now you're not so sure of where you are. Doesn't matter if the future looks a little bit blur. You govern where you are today. You govern yourself back to the body of Christ. It's time that you don't just attend church but be church, be part of the church. Govern the way you interact with God. Govern the way you interact with each other. Amen? You are both kings and priests. We cannot be priests at your house because that belongs to you. We cannot be priests in your workplace because we don't work there. So if you don't arise as the priest, then the people will die. Hello? If you don't arise as king, the people will not see the kingdom of God. Understand? So that's why you are all generation of kings and priests. Back to church Sunday is not a back to church event. It is a lifestyle of fulfilling your role as priesthood. Go and be the priest for your colleagues. Go and be the priest to your children, your sisters, your brothers, your father, your mother who are not in church. Go and reign as a king to show the people what it means when you belong to a great king of the heavens where your life is full of blessing, where you are filled with the joy of the Lord, where there's nothing that can come against you and overcome you because you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are more than conquerors. You have the King of kings and the Lord of lords as your real God. So my fellow priesthood, my fellow kingsmen, If you understand this message, it will shift your life. You don't have to wait for God. God has already anointed you for your role to be both kings and priests. And for the sake of this message, let's end today's message by once again reciting Revelation 5 verses 9 to 10. Ready? 1, 2, 3 you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to god by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our god and we shall reign on the earth hallelujah let's give god a big hand